Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, why this weekend was a quiet place at the box office. Can Sonic still be fun in 2021? And we talked the divisive legend of the Ultimate Warrior. All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the pop culture cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at Pop Culture Cosmos and PopCultureCosmos.com, along with our great friends at Humanica Media and so much more. Please do so today. And if you do, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend. It is Josh himself from Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to catch everything that he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com. His fantastic show, The Super BS Games Cast, plus his book, which you can get today at Barnes and Noble and that Amazon thing. It is called Congratulations, You Suck. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? Not much, man. I just, uh, I broke all my rules yesterday and bought a PS5 off a of scalper. And I just, I don't know how I feel about it. I like the PS5 and the scalper said he was using the money to pay for his college tuition. I still don't agree with that scalping, but you know, I was telling my wife, as long as they don't sell these things in stores, like no stores are selling them physically. So I was telling my wife, as long as they are selling them online only, like the only way the common person who actually wants to play them is going to be able to get a hold of them is through a scalper. It's crazy. It is crazy. And as someone like yourself that has had to buy his Xbox Series X and his PlayStation 5 via that way, it seems very unfortunate the extra amount of cash that you spent on that when you could have spent it on controllers, games, mm-hmm. anything else for that. It's very disappointing. And until Sony and Microsoft get together and figure out a way to combat this or try to produce more product out to get it out there, it's still going to be the same for a long time to come. And that's probably one of the reasons why I don't want to go ahead and get a system right now because I don't want to pay that extra charge. I'm already paying $500. That's enough for me. Yeah, yeah. And I guess like the thing that irks me about this is that there is no way, like, if you think about it, there is no way to defeat the bots. Like, you can't click faster than the bots. It's impossible. You know, I was talking to Brian Wegner, 
he got one and it's just the people who do manage to get them it's just a sheer act of luck that lets you get one at the right moment you know most of these i was talking to someone who actually makes bots and he's saying yeah his bots scooped up like 2000 units of playstations and xboxes on amazon earlier this week it's it's insane man it is insane and it's very unfair to the general consumer out there who just wants to buy one for their family one for themselves these gamers that want to go ahead and progress to the next generation of consoles and unfortunately they're not allowed to because of this like you said hoarding and overcharging and all the scalping that's going on very unfair that it's still going on well into the first almost seven months now of this next console generation and due to the semiconductor shortage that's still out there and still prevalent Sony and Microsoft are still saying that they're not going to have the situation under control until 2023. And that's a bad sign for gamers that they will not be able, in large part, to adapt to a next generation until maybe the summer of 2023 or the fall of 2023 at the earliest, when already so many people will already have tried to get into that next generation. It's just very disappointing, very disappointing indeed. Yeah, I agree. And it, you know, it is unfortunate because you have like these kids who like they're who really love games, like they have a passion for playing games and they can't get these things. And their parents, a lot of them probably live paycheck to paycheck. And like it's a big purchase to buy, you know, a new console for your kid. And maybe you could afford uh, MSRP price. But once you're looking at like, especially when with E3 coming out, I have a feeling that the scalping prices will go way up. So the difference between 500 and 800 or $1,000 is huge for some people. Well, we'll see what happens. And I, I'm not counting on this holiday being better for consumers. I'm going to think, I, like you said, it's probably going to be a little bit higher and harder to get come E3, but I think it's going to be even worse come fall and holiday season when people are really going to start clamoring for a PlayStation 5 or an Xbox Series X and they're not going to be able to get one because those bots will have sucked them all up. Mm -hmm. Well, it's going to be a great episode we've got for everyone out there today. We're going to be talking Far Cry 6. They showcased some gameplay. We're going to talk about if this is something that's going to get us back into the Far Cry series. And speaking of getting back into a game, Sonic Central happened recently the other day. That was a showcase for Sonic and all the stuff that's going on with it, whether it's mobile or console gaming. And Sonic Colors is a game that debuted for them and they showed off some footage. And we're going to talk about how well it looked, plus if Sonic the Hedgehog is still going to be something that players find fun, find amusing, find entertaining in 2021. Is it still something that's prevalent, something that people still want to get into, or does it find itself somewhere in the past? So we'll talk about that coming up here in a little bit. Plus also as well, we're going to talk about the Eternals because the Eternals trailer, as we mentioned on the Friday show, and big shout out to Degenerate2018, Jamie Monroy for sitting in. Glad to hear his thoughts on the Eternals trailer. I saved my thoughts on the Eternals trailer that dropped on Monday for this conversation today. Who are the Eternals? And are we excited for the movie that's coming up later this year? We're going to talk about that coming up on the show as well. Plus, Chris Pratt and Mark Wahlberg showcased new trailers for their upcoming movies, The Tomorrow War and Infinite. Both of those are coming to platforms on streaming 
They're not going to theaters. They're coming to streaming. So we'll talk about those movies coming up as well. And Noe and Fine from Hunting Queen is also going to stop by for a few minutes to talk about The Ultimate Warrior. Why is The Ultimate Warrior coming up in the news? Well, last week on A&E, they did a WWE biography on him. And coincidentally, or not so coincidentally, Vice's Dark Side of the Ring also showcased a different side of the Ultimate Warrior as well. So we're going to talk about the divisiveness of the Ultimate Warrior and how convoluted it is and, and all the different things that were said and done during the course of his lifetime. So we'll talk about that coming up on the show as well. But first, my friend, <laughs> I'm getting a little bit teary-eyed because I get to finally talk about a box office battle once again. It's been forever, man. It's been forever. But this weekend at the Memorial Day box office, A Quiet Place Part 2 took home the top prize. It is closing in on, I think, right around $47 million, $48 million at the box office this weekend domestically and will, by the end of Monday, hit close to $60 million domestically, which is a huge win at the box office for A Quiet Place. Cruella also had a decent weekend as well, but with them, it's more like how well did they do on Disney Plus because they were a premier day and date. You had to pay $30, but you could go ahead and stay home and watch it. I want to hear your thoughts on this Memorial Day box office matchup. Is it good to hear that people are heading out to the theaters once again? And how surprised were you about A Quiet Place Part 2 taking the top spot? A lot of people are saying that the people are starting to go back to the theaters because of A Quiet Place Part 2. As someone who follows the stocks, I see the AMC stocks going up, up, up. And a lot of people are crediting A Quiet Place Part 2 with that. But that being said, you know, I like I've heard good things about it. I've heard it's it's great. I heard it's not as good as a quiet place part one, but it's kind of the only thing that is out that people want to see. You know, with like Cruella, my wife watched it. She really enjoyed the movie. The kids really liked it. I didn't watch it, but from what I understand, it's a pretty good movie, but you know, it's something that's like easier to watch on your couch. So I don't know how much Cruella is contributing to the box office numbers, but you know, looking at a quiet place and I know there's black widows coming out and the people are getting stoked, you know, Marvel's putting out trailers for Eternals and all that. So, you know, I, I think that this is just the beginning of like a bigger influx of people who will be steadily going back to the movie theaters. I agree with you, my friend. You are going to see an uptick in people going back to the movie theaters, and I think it's very well represented by this Memorial Day weekend because Cruella came in second place, a distant second place, but still it should earn about $27, 28000000 million over the course of the four-day Memorial Day weekend if you include Friday and Monday. So it will be something that I think a lot of people are also going to check out. But again, it's also getting supplemented by the fact that you could watch it at home for $30. So that's, I think, the bigger interest right now of that only Disney knows is that how much money is Cruella making at home on that premier access? Does it close that gap enough to say, hey, was it a great investment? Was it a great thing? Or could it even do more? So that's what I want to know is with Disney Plus, how well is Cruella doing by people staying home and watching Cruella? So, you know, as far as like what it's doing for Disney Plus, I I don't know. Like, I, I honestly like I'm so out of the loop with movies these days because like it's just been so long since something of note has come out. 
I've heard that it's better than Mulan. So like the people I've talked to who have watched it said that they felt a little more justified in paying the $30 premium for it. Is it worth like picking up a Disney Plus subscription for? I don't think so because this is like this is like a, a you know it's a weird offshoot prequel movie. It's not really something that's like I have to pick up a Disney Plus subscription or pay the $30 premium because I need to be part of a conversation that's happening right now. I don't think it's like generating that kind of buzz. I'm not sure it is either, but again, Disney Plus only knows how many people in the past few days have purchased Cruella via the Premier Access. So we'll see what happens. I also know that there are going to be a lot of people watching July 9th when Black Widow debuts on Disney Access. So we'll see how that one goes. I think we're going to see that mix of day and date films that are releasing both on a streaming and also box office platform going up against movies that are actually just doing box office. Now, this is also going to be a big win for Paramount+. Plus, and I say that because there's only a 30 to 45 day window before it appears on Paramount+. Plus. So I ask this before we head on to our other topics for the day, and that is this. Do you think that it's only going to be doing well for maybe a week or two weeks because people know in the back of their minds, hey, if I didn't catch it right away, I'll be able to catch it for free next month on Paramount Plus. So I, I was kind of wondering about that also. Like, I, I think it's really great that they're kind of closing the window between theatrical release and what's on TV. But at the same time, like you said, like, are they going to feel like they're missing out on the conversation if they wait a month to watch it? But who's to say that the people who start the conversation aren't going to wait a month to watch it also? Because that's not really a long time, you know, if you think about it. And if you have that Paramount Plus fee to use it, what is the purpose of going out to the movies, especially if it's not like a big event film? Universal, are they attached to any streaming service right yeah, now? Yeah, Peacock. So when F9 comes to streaming it'll go on peacock so like these big event films like fast nine like i can see that being something like hey i can watch it at home but i'm still going to go out to the theaters to watch this because this is a big event film you know this is a pop culture moment it's like i don't want to say it's as big as avengers endgame but it's still a pop culture moment but something smaller you know like a quiet place too which is obviously people are going to the theaters but if it's something that's outside the realm of a major franchise. I don't see people going to the movies for things like that if they can just watch it at home. You know, especially like a month is not that long. If it's two months, like that might be a proper window to where it would be worth going to the movies to see. But like a month is really not that long, especially since most people, especially these days, don't get to catch new things until, you know, a few weeks after they're out anyways. Well, I'm very interested to see how this shapes up. Again, for me, with A Quiet Place, it's not about this weekend, although I'm very happy that they're doing well this weekend at the box office, exceeding expectations, and people are noticing that, that hey, a lot of people are going back to the theaters. So I think Hollywood is breathing a sigh of relief that people are going back to the box office, going back to the theaters to go catch movies again. So I think that's a good sign that there are individuals that are going back and not just in small numbers, in decent numbers for the right film. So that's going to be great. But with a film like A Quiet Place Part Two, what I want to know is the numbers two, three weeks down the line, 
for people that know in the back of their minds, hey, I know this is coming very soon to Paramount Plus. So I think I'll just go ahead and, and hold off on going out to the theaters just now. But this will dictate going forward what the box office may look like over the next few months that the summer can actually be a good and prosperous summer for the movies and the box office. We will see, like you said, F9 is going to be the next big event movie. This was more like, okay, this is the holiday weekend. We need something to do. We need something to see. So Quiet Place Part 2 is out. Cruella's out. Let's go check those movies out. So we will see with F9 if we are, I don't want to say if we're all the way back because we won't be all the way back for quite some time. But it'll be good to see exactly where we stand at the box office when F9 comes out. At least right now, I can say it's going to be a good start indeed. What are your thoughts out there on this weekend at the box office? The matchup between Cruella and A Quiet Place Part 2 goes to A Quiet Place Part 2 with almost $60 million in the bank domestically here in the U.S. by Monday. Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. And tell us if you went to the movies this weekend or if you are excited about the possibility of going back to the theaters once again. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. I know you've been hearing about Manscaped on all those other programs and podcasts. Well, Manscaped and the Hoopheads Podcast Network are working together on something fantastic. And oh my goodness, have we got a deal for you. Manscaped.com has just released their wireless, waterproof, and rechargeable Lawnmower 4.0, which offers their trademark skin-safe replaceable blades that gets you the ultra-close shave exactly where you need it. Head on over to Manscaped.com and choose from the huge list of men's grooming and lifestyle products, including the ultra-popular Lawnmower 4.0 Body Groomer, and get 20% off at Manscaped plus free shipping with the promo code FASTBREAK at manscaped.com. That's right, just type in FASTBREAK, all one word at checkout, at Manscaped, and get ready to start looking good this summer from your friends at Manscaped, the Hoopheads Podcast Network, and the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. All right, my friend, and we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glasper along with my good friend, Mr. Josh himself, Josh Peterson. Josh? Sorry for the delay. Technical issues are abound. Josh? Oh, my gosh. Wow, that's so much better. Okay, fair do you enough. Know what, do you know what it was? What was it? The PlayStation 5 was in standby mode. It sucks up so much bandwidth. I couldn't figure out. Like I was running at 5 megabytes per second. I was like, what's different since last time? And I was like, oh, my gosh. And it dawned on me that the PlayStation 5 standby mode, it's still like using the Internet. Oh, my gosh. There you go, PlayStation 5 owners. That's what you're looking at when you finally get your hands on a PlayStation 5, whatever month, year down the line you could get it. But, yes, PlayStation 5 is right there for you. I want to ask you this. Far Cry 6 debuted a lot of gameplay footage this past week. I know you got a chance to look at it. It takes place in the fictional Caribbean island of Yara. There's a ruler, El Presidente, uh, Don Castillo, played by a guy who we we said before on this show is one of the hottest actors on the planet. Still is Giancarlo Esposito as far as all the stuff he's doing, because you know he's doing The Mandalorian. You know he just did Breaking Bad. You know he's doing a lot of other stuff out there. 
So he's definitely a wanted actor. He's playing the dictator in this fictional setting. But I got a chance to look at it, not only the different tactics you can do, but I want to hear your thoughts because not only can you go about this in a stealthy fashion, but you can go about this as a run and gun fashion like you normally know in a Far Cry. But the fact that you can combine a lot of tools and elements from out there and piece them together as far as weapons are concerned, they talked about all the different creative ways you can make weapons and all the things that you can do with them. I like from the things that you can grab from, for like spare parts and cans of food and things of that nature to create weapons. I even like the fact that you can get an old CD player playing the Macarena while you blow up your enemies. So, it, yeah, it looks really cool. I, I, you know, I, I was looking at the gameplay like Far Cry 4. It kind of has that vibe a little bit. You know, as far as like the game itself, I like I, I love Far Cry, but like Far Cry 5, I feel like I spent so much time in that world and, you know, messing around with those characters in Far Cry New Dawn that I don't know how ready I am to go back to a Far Cry game. But this game does look really cool. I love the, the look of the protagonist like she's out for revenge, you know, whereas like most of the other like the last Far Cry game is just some guy cop wrong place at the wrong time, you know, and he ends up getting like stuck in this this area. This girl looks like there's a really interesting backstory going on with her. And because of that, I don't know, it just it makes you feel like as a player, you have more, there's more at stake. Looking at the gameplay, really, really loved the uh, rocket launcher backpack. That looks really cool. Mine was the Macarena. The, the one that you had the, the actual CD player playing it, and you're playing the Macarena as you're shooting it and as you're firing it. I thought that was really a neat trick. I thought that was very original in the way that they're going ahead and developing it. But again, it's up to you to piece these things together from the environment that you're in in order to go ahead and build yourself a weapon that does different things in different combinations. So I like that aspect of it. I think it's taking the Far Cry series into a, a nice, nicer direction. It's like you said, with the Far Cry series, it was like same old, same old for me. It, it just, I know that the Far Cry series seems to be loved by a certain niche of gamers out there. But for me, it was like, okay, I got into one, got into two, started drifting off into three and four, never really got into five. I know that there was a, you know, Far Cry offshoots and, you know, getting back into Far Cry six seems to be something I may get back into. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely excited to play it. Like, I, it looks really cool, and like, I love those Far Cry games just because of the freedom it gets you. It gives you to kind of play the game how you want to. Like, if you want to go in do a stealthy thing, you can. If you want to just go in guns blazing, you're welcome to do that. If you're one of those people who grew up playing Halo and just running over people on warthogs, like, there's clearly a style for you to be able to drive around in vehicles and and play you know i guess in a more destructive manner if that's what you're into it looks fantastic it looks like it, it's it's a very beautiful game it looks like it kind of i guess mirrors a lot of stuff that's popular in pop culture these days you know especially with like you know look at narcos on netflix and stuff like like people really like those kind of shows so i can see where this setting would be really appealing it looks like it's got a launch window where october of october and Obviously, we don't know anything until E3 starts hitting our airwaves here. But like right now, that's the only game like big game announced for the fall. So, I mean, I think they're sitting in a pretty great place. It's kind of weird, though, because Far Cry games have traditionally released in like February and February or March. So I'm yeah. curious why the fall gaming season this year. 
I would imagine the coronavirus and the fact that everybody was on lockdown and you had, you, you know, you couldn't be at the studio. Everybody had to do things by remote. Maybe that slowed things down. I'm just going to assume that at this point. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a very fair point. I, I'd be curious now, cause I mean, October, like I'm, I'd be curious to know, like, what kind of release dates we're going to get when E3 rolls around and how is that going to affect the sales of the game? Because Far Cry games, you know, we've talked about this before, like how long is too long for a game? Something like Halo or Gears or something, you can pump through the campaign in about six to eight hours. Far Cry is a game where you could literally sink over 60 hours into. So it's just, I guess it's a big question here of like, how much time are people going to be able to invest before something else comes out that they want to play? Well, we want to know your thoughts out there on Far Cry 6. I'm impressed, and so is Josh, with what we've seen so far. Will it be enough to get us right in and put us right in the map and have us fighting for freedom on the fictional island of Yara? Well, we'll wait and see, but it is something that we are intrigued by, and it is coming out as of right now, and we got to put that tenuously for all the games that are coming out. But October 7th, Looks like it's going to be the street date for Far Cry 6. And we want to hear your thoughts if you're still into the Far Cry series. Are you excited for this? Or if you've kind of tuned yourself out or have never really gotten into the Far Cry series, will Far Cry 6 be that game that gets you right into or right back into the Far Cry series? We want to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. But before we hit the half-hour break, my friend, and our discussion right after that about the Eternals, I want to ask you this. I saw a couple of interesting movie trailers drop. In fact, there's been quite a few, but I picked out two in The Tomorrow War and Infinite. And they both star previous box office heavyweights, Chris Pratt and also Mark Wahlberg. And Mark Wahlberg starring in Infinite with Antoine Foncois, who's a great director, done a lot of great things, Training Day to start off with. So Infinite's going to be an action thriller from him. And then we also have a futuristic, in a kind of way, thriller from Chris Pratt in The Tomorrow War. Now, The Tomorrow War is going to be premiering on Amazon Prime, and Infinite is going to be Paramount+. Plus. Infinite is a action thriller, like I said, from Antoine Foucault, director who, again, probably most famous film is Training Day, which is an excellent film. Absolutely love it. Denzel Washington is at his finest in that film. And, you know, this is going to be something I don't think is going to be as memorable. I mean, it just seems to me like a straight action thriller with a kind of little bit of a sci-fi twist in that these, if you're an infinite, you get to go ahead and live infinitely and whether you die or you're reborn or whatnot you just keep keep coming back keep coming back constantly and i guess this tells the tale of the regeneration aspect of that process and i I, you know obviously there's a bad guy involved and be like standard action fare with the tomorrow war on amazon prime you know amazon acquired that film with a big chunk of change and with chris pratt leading the way there's, there's not a real whole slew of well-known actors supporting him outside of J.K. Simmons. The film starts off taking place in our age, but I guess there's an alien invasion 30 years from now. So the individuals from that time period come to our time period to recruit, or a.k.a. draft, as many humans as possible to go ahead and fight the fight in that war 
30 years from now. So it's got a nice little concept. We'll see what happens there. Again, it's all upon Chris Pratt on that one as far as him leading this film. These films may or may not have succeeded in the box office, may have been those one or two weeks where they really did some numbers and then fell off a cliff. Does any one of those two appeal to you as a movie you want to go ahead and check out on the streaming service? So, yeah, I mean, Infinite is definitely like I'm, I'm sitting here reading about them, checking out the screenshots. Like it is definitely something that like sounds cool. The idea of like past lives, you know, and like what happens if you remember one of them, like having all that going on and like the, all those past lives are connected to the story. That's an, a really interesting premise. It's not like it hasn't like been done before. Was that movie with Ryan Reynolds that came out it was a couple yeah. of years ago that kind of had that where they put his mind into this guy and he started to remember things they've done that before yeah so i guess like you know and, and obviously anton fuqua training day excellent excellent film this sounds like he's breaking into a, a different genre here with this but it, it does sound like something that could be interesting if done right so is this a this is a one that's actually going to movie theaters as opposed to no paramount plus paramount i believe plus. it's not going to theaters it's okay. going to paramount plus oh interesting all right and as for the tomorrow war like i did get to uh, check out the trailer for this one and i am interested man like it looks really cool you know i've seen a lot of people like comparing it to halo how like they kind of instead of going back in time in halo they went and recruited kids to fight a war that was coming in the future so they're making comparisons among the premise there but it sounds really cool on paper. Remember Battle Los Angeles with Aaron Eckhart? Like, yeah. that was a really cool idea on paper, like when you're reading about it. But then when you went to go watch it, yeah, it was a visual spectacle, but you kind of forgot about it soon after. And that's what I'm wondering if this is going to end up being kind of in the, the same vein as that. But stoked for a new sci-fi movie to watch. Amazon did buy the rights to The Tomorrow War. Forget this, Josh. $200 million. Damn. So... It's better be a home run for them when it comes out on July 2nd, right around the July 4th weekend. So it better be a home run for them. And I don't know if we will see the same kind of success as Borat 2 or Coming to America 2, but I am still going to check out The Tomorrow War. We'll see what happens with that. That could be, again, a big hit or big miss for Amazon Prime. But at least Amazon Prime is doing what I had originally asked for them to do five years ago when we started this show is to take the money that you're making and put it towards Prime Video. And it's good to see that they're finally doing that with movies like The Tomorrow War, with The Lord of the Rings and all that. So I'm very happy to see where this direction is going for Prime Video. Maybe The Tomorrow War will get them talking when it comes around on July 2nd. And for those folks waiting for Infinite with Mark Wahlberg, you won't have to wait much longer because on Paramount Plus, it hits on June the 10th. What are your thoughts out there on The Tomorrow War and Infinite? Are you going to be excited to go ahead and see these two when they hit their streaming services? Or are you just going to pass them on by? Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, coming up next, we're going to go into a deep dive on the Eternals. Plus, we're going to be talking about the future of Sonic. Or is there a future for Sonic? And also as well... Mr. Honeyqueen himself, knowing and fine, returns to talk about the divisive legend of the Ultimate Warrior. We're going to talk about that coming up on the back half of the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Video game box art, the stories behind the covers. 
in which we talk to the illustrators and artists who are responsible for gaming's most iconic images. Don't forget to check out Video Game Box Art, the stories behind the covers, celebrating gaming's most iconic images from the people who created them. This and many more from Rob McCallum Films. And we're back with the show. It's the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford. I'm here along with my good friend, Mr. Josh himself, Josh Peterson. Okay, Josh, I've been really holding this conversation back for about a week to talk about it with you. And that is The Eternals. The Eternals dropped their first real trailer. We're not talking about just little footage that was shown as part of a montage. Again, I thought this should have been the first look. This should have been the first thing that you've ever seen from The Eternals, but it wasn't. But it was the first actual trailer of The Eternals. Before we go into who are The Eternals, I want to hear your thoughts on the trailer itself for Marvel and if you're excited to go ahead and see that as an upcoming Marvel MCU film. So the trailer was unexpectedly beautiful. I don't know, it had a cinematic quality to it that I've never seen in the Marvel universe. Like, I don't know, there's just there's something about the way that it was shot and the color tones and I don't know, it just had a very like somber feel to it. And like that's hmm, something I wonder who the director is. Hmm, didn't she just win the Academy Award? Hmm. For who is it? Chloe Zhao. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean the winner for Nomadland. Yeah. So I mean that makes sense. And you know, knowing that, like I'm I'm excited to see this movie. You know, like it it has you look in the trailer, like it does have the quirkiness, I guess, of a Marvel film. But it seems to like take itself serious on a level that no Marvel films have done before. And maybe that's just the content here where we have these characters who have basically like taken it upon themselves to cultivate life amongst the cosmos. And then you still have like the characters who joke, you know, they're joking about who's going to lead the Avengers now that Rogers and Stark are gone. Like that was yeah. a funny moment from the trailer. But yeah, it 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 looks it looks very beautiful and I am, I, I do really want to watch this movie. Like I'm more excited about this than I am. I think, uh, you know, black widow or Spider-Man really. Cause I'm the exact opposite. Really? I didn't find a connection with the characters where it did look cinematically very well done. Yeah. But for me, it's about a connection to the characters and I didn't find a connection to the characters yet. I may, I'm going to see it obviously, because I have got the Josh OCD when it comes to the MCU. I got to see everything, whether I like it or not. So I got to see it. I got to be a completionist with Josh OCD gaming style right there for you. But when it comes to the Eternals, for me, it's about a connection to the characters. And I don't feel that yet. I don't get a vibe either which way. And indifference is not a great thing when it comes to an upcoming film. And to me, that's kind of concerning. That I don't have, uh, you know, oh, I, can't, I gotta miss this film. This is horrible. Or I gotta see this. I gotta see this. So I don't have the excitement I do for Black Widow. And you know why, because I've also been screaming about this since 2016. So I better be excited for it. And then with Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, that I'm excited for because of how far it can take the kung fu genre. So I'm looking forward to those films any more so than any of the films in the MCU right now. And with the Eternals that's coming after those two films, I'm just not feeling it yet. I'm just not feeling it. 
Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about Shang-Chi. Like we've talked about this before. Like I'm, I'm a huge martial arts movie fan. I know you are too. So like, that's something that I am uh, really looking forward to Spider-Man and Black Widow. They feel so interconnected with the MCU and that's not a bad thing, but it just like, I'm, you know, as opposed to where like the Eternals feels like something new to me, much like Gardens of the Galaxy did when that came out. And same thing with Shang-Chi. I think that's why my excitement level is so high for these films is because like it feels like it's going to make the MCU feel fresh to me again, as opposed to like having something that's tied into so many layers of stories that have already been told. And that's one thing in the advantage of the Eternals is that it is fresh. I mean, we saw it work once before with the Guardians of the Galaxy where nobody knew who was the Guardian. I, I don't even the comic book fans out there didn't know really too much about the Guardians of the Galaxy because it was a series that was just really off to the side and in this really weird place in the Marvel realm. So when it came out, people didn't know what to expect, but it came off quirky. It came off fun. It came off entertaining. So a lot of people really caught on to the Guardians of the Galaxy. Will that same type of energy take place in the Eternals? I'm not so sure yet because again, I don't have a connection yet. There's no cute characters to go off of, or there's no quirky or funny characters that I really got good vibes off of. Angelina Jolie looks very angry in the throughout the entire thing, and she's very not too, she's she's very silent for the most part in this trailer. And then you have Salma Hayek, who's there as well, and Gemma Chan. The thing is, okay, we're going to get into the Eternals right now. The first question I have for you is, and you're the comic book man, but you again, you don't even have a great knowledge of the Eternals. Who is exactly the leader of the Eternals? Because in interviews and during the trailer itself, everybody keeps going back and forth on exactly who is the leader of the Eternals. Yeah, and I think that's kind of a joke that they're running with. Okay, there's this like idea, right, that every superhero team needs a leader. And I think that's even where that joke about Iron Man and Captain America came in in the trailer. Like, amongst great beings groups like there needs to be someone who leads them and i don't necessarily know if there is a leader for the eternals i don't know you know it's just like you see there's a lot of very dominant personalities i wish that kumal nanjani was given more screen time in that trailer i want to know a little bit more about him but i mean by all looks and appearances it looked like in this movie angelina jolie kind of was i guess the wisest among them they kind of like painted her out to be Selma Hayek is supposed to be the leader but then I hear Gemma Chan in an interview saying she's the leader then I read articles that says Richard Madden from Game of Thrones his character Icarus is the leader so I don't even know man yeah I don't know either it's interesting Uh, if you look at the Eternals comics who's the the blonde guy in the Eternals Icarus Icarus he's the one that's always kind of like front and center on the comic book covers so like that my assumption was that he was the leader but it doesn't sound like in this iteration of the Eternals any of them really know who is the leader here and Gemma Chan who actually played an MCU character before in Captain Marvel she is playing the character of Cersei she is in a love triangle with Icarus and but I will mention who she's in a love triangle with later on with another character but that's coming up in a bit because he's a different thing altogether. And his future is could be a, a little bit different from the Eternals. But Salma Hayek, yeah. uh, she plays Ajak. Uh, she's supposed to be the spiritual leader from what I hear, from what I'm reading. And then like talked about Angelina Jolie. She was like, really angry. Don't want to mess with her. 
she's playing the warrior Athena. She, you see her with the sword. Then you see Don Lee was cast as Gilgamesh. He's supposed to have a lot of powers. You saw yeah, his mystical he, powers. He's supposed to be the strongest of the bunch. Okay. You saw Makari. She's like a Flash, so she's a speedster. She's the first deaf superhero. Sorry, that's yeah. a, kind of a big deal. Yes, absolutely. And like we talked about Kumail Nanjani, he's playing a sword expert named Kingo. I think right now it's what we saw is clips from him as a Bollywood star because in the Marvel comics it said in today's world Kingo was a famous Japanese action star but in this case it's Kingo's been moved over to Nanjani who is a Bollywood star and then you have the Sprite character he's a smaller younger looking Eternal then you have Brian Tyree Henry who's playing Fastos so that's a completely different change character from what the comic book represents then you have, like I said, about Gemma Chan with Cersei. And then you get to also another Game of Thrones actor, Barry Kagan, who will play Druick, who looks kind of brooding and kind of looks like off to the side, who looks like he's going to be maybe like, you don't know whether he's good or evil. If he could be the villain behind this thing, you're not sure. Then you have the Black Knight, who is not an Eternal, but is associated with Eternals in this. He's being played by Kit Harrington who's going to be a warrior in this film. And he's the other end of this love triangle between Gemma Chan and also Richard Madden in this. And his character is going to end up being the most important because I think from all inferences from what I'm seeing and also what has been said in a roundabout way by Kevin Feige, the head of Marvel himself, that the future for Kit Harrington could be more in line with the Avengers going forward. So, okay, Black Knight is a really interesting character. He's always been a character that I've loved to read, but still, like, wish that there was more content on him out there. It's the sword, right? The sword it, it, it has a blood curse on it. One of Arthur's knights was the original, like, wielder of the sword, and they got passed down. But through different iterations of Black Knight, some of them have been bad guys, some of them have been good guys. Kit Harrington is, like, the most famous of them. Dane Whitman character yes. is... His first introduction into the, into the Marvel Universe, they thought that he was a bad guy. So they kind of like, because he was set up and they they thought he was a bad guy. Then he proved his worth to like Captain America and Iron Man. And he eventually, you know, on a few occasions went on to lead the Avengers. You know, speaking of leaders, he was the leader of the team for many, many comic book arcs. But he has like, an, he has this like confliction in him where he's, he doesn't even know if he's good or bad. So I'm, I think Kit Harrington is kind of a good actor to play a role like that. Just from what I've been reading on the internet, it sounds like there are big plans for Kit Harrington, you know, Dane Whitman, as far as what might happen outside the Eternals, whether it's a Disney Plus show or he appears in the next Avenger film. You know, my big curiosity here is what is the Black Knight costume going to look like? That's a very curious question. And I know the memes going around with Richard Madden and Kit Harrington from right. their days of the, the Game of Thrones, I think the last words spoken to each other during the course of the series on the show was when I see you again, it will be dressed in black. So, so somebody is going to be dressed in black and that's going to be Kit Harrington. but the Eternals, the success and the future success of that series, whether or not it gets internals too, or whatnot, I think is going to depend on the people accepting it and becoming familiar with it. And I think Marvel's going to have to do a even better job of getting people familiar now with the Eternals going into the film and it's not you know i i know that they were lucky one time with guardians of the galaxy where they really didn't have to get you you know caught up to speed where 
They're just throwing that out there and saying, hey, we're Marvel. Go ahead and watch our film. And it worked because people really enjoyed the Guardians of the Galaxy. I think with the Eternals, because of the fact that we're going to be in the middle of all this Marvel stuff, because I know you get sick talking Marvel week after week, but think about it. During the time of the Eternals, we're going to be right off the What If series, and we're going to already be, have Loki done. We're going to have Black Widow done. We're going to have Shang-Chi done. We're going to have more Marvel that's coming on the way after that. So we're going to be in the middle of all this Marvel. And while that, they're going to have to get everybody up to speed on the Eternals because that's coming around a time where it's not a December film where people are going to check it out during the holiday break, but it's also not a summer or late summer film. It's going to have a smaller window to succeed. A lot of people still go to the movies on Thanksgiving and the day after. So I feel like, you know, they'll have a, a lot of people going to see this around that time. But I don't see release date being an issue for something like this. Marvel fans are Marvel fans. You know, they'll go and see a movie no matter when it comes out. Like, what was it? Captain Marvel came out in April. You know, yeah. like nobody. It came out on a school night, but people still pack the theaters to see it. So I don't know how much that's going to, like, affected hopefully not a lot you know i'm hoping that once this movie comes out like it'll get a lot of really great hype so think about this why would they introduce characters like this at this time if not to kind of introduce what the next big threat in the mcu is going to be well we're going to answer hopefully a lot of those questions when it does come out later this year and that is the eternals I'm still on the fence about it, about my excitement for it, because I'm really not familiar with them as of yet. I've read up on them. I've gone ahead and checked out as much as I can. But still, I kind of still don't have that vibe one way or the other. So we'll wait and see. Josh is already excited because he loves the way this film has been shot. And, of course, with an Academy Award-winning director behind the helm and I'm sure an award-winning team behind her, it looks like it's going to be a well-shot film. So we'll see what happens if the characters can connect with us and if Kit Harrington's Black Knight character will become a major part of the MCU going forward. What are your thoughts out there on the Eternals? Share us your thoughts. PodCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, coming up after the break, it is Knowing and Fine from Hunnic Queen. He is going to talk about the two documentaries that were shown last week and how they both included The Ultimate Warrior and also showcased the dark side, there's the pun, and the light side of his career, his life, and who he was. So we're going to talk about the very problematic and very divisive history of The Ultimate Warrior coming up after the break. And then after that, Josh and I will close out the show talking Sonic the Hedgehog. And is he still something that gamers should check out in 2021? This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. All right, now we're back with the program. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, The Ultimate Warrior. He recently came up not only in one, but two documentaries on him, A&E's biography, and then also as well in the same week, coincidentally... I don't think so. It was Vice also bringing up the dark side of the ring as the latest episode. 
But here today to talk about the polarizing sides of the Ultimate Warrior is a good friend indeed. You got to catch what he's doing today at Honey Queen on Podbean and also on Facebook. It is Noah Ian Fine. And Noah, again, Annie and Vice both show different sides of the Warrior, his past, his run in the WWE, and ultimately what happened with his untimely death. Looking at it from both the sides of his current family at the time of his death and also his ex-wife from a previous life as well. So we got the chance to look at it in one fashion and another. If you watch both documentaries, you got to see both the good and the bad and the very polarizing life of the Ultimate Warrior. I have a devil and an angel on both sides of my shoulder. That's for sure. That's for sure. I don't know what his legacy is going to be other than, unfortunately, he sabotaged a lot of careers. He injured a lot of people to the point where they had to retire. He broke Heenan's neck and didn't care about it. He caused Bulldog severe back pain and didn't care about that to where Bulldog had to rely on oxycodone before he passed away. I believe there's also something that happened between him and Gennetti. So... The only legacy that I think it will always be is somebody who was not born into the business but thought that he can carry the business and had to learn the hard way. And I think now that we see wrestlers where they would watch the business but understand and respect the business. And I think they're better than what Warrior attempted to do. And unfortunately, as sad as it is, and I know people don't want to speak ill of the dead, but let's be honest and fair, the more I'm watching these matches and watching these biographies, I feel that it was his way or no way at all and pretty much bit him in the rear end. And I think that's what his legacy will always be. I disagree with you on that a little bit. The fact that I think his legacy will be complicated. It will be muddled. It will be messy with all the stuff that went on behind the scenes and his poor decisions and poor choice of words, both in and out of the ring, it will also be complicated because of the good memories that so many people from the late 80s and early 90s have that we as consumers and wrestling fans have for him. Now, mind you, a lot of the people don't go into the X's and O's like we did as far as his work rate, as far as anything of that. A lot of people were just excited with his three-minute matches that were going over the height of Ultimate Warriors championship runs. I think a lot of people look at that and they have fond memories of that and with the tassels and the whole looks and the bright colors that he always seemed to have. And a lot of people seem to have enjoyed that part of it and how he had reached almost a Hulk Hogan-like status that very few of the wrestlers ever been able to get into that air to even be spoken of in that context. So I think his history and his legacy is very complex. He reached the highest of heights as the most popular wrestler on the planet, but he's also reached the lowest of lows in regards to what he did and said off and on the actual mat itself. So again, it's very complicated, and I don't think that either of these two, the A&E biography or the Dark Side of the Ring gave a definitive answer on what the true legacy of the ultimate warrior for somebody that's just stepping into it and watching both 
I think you'll be confused and, and quite understandably upset in regards to what exactly is the legend of the Ultimate Warrior and why he did so many things that he did and said so many things he said. But again, for me, I think the Ultimate Warrior's legacy will always be very incomplete, very jumbled, and very messy, to say the least. It will be. It is no Ian Fine. You can check out his show, Honey Queen, each and every month on Podbean. Plus, also, Honey Queen, wherever you get your social media. Well, Noah, it's been great having you on the program, talking the very complicated history of the Ultimate Warrior. Hoping to get you on real soon, once again, right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with the show. It's the Pop Culture Cosmos. Thank you so much to Noe and Fine for stopping by on the show, talking the Ultimate Warrior and all the divisiveness that went on with last week's two biographies. But before we head on out, my friend, thank you so much to all the stations around the world that plays us. Also as well, thank you so much for the heavy response on downloads for last week's episode, especially on Friends. A lot of people talking Friends, and obviously we've heard a lot of success from that. In fact, HBO Max says they've gotten a similar type response than what was put out there by Wonder Woman 84, so that's a good sign for HBO Max. But before we head on out, my friend, Sonic the Hedgehog. There was a Sonic Central 2021 talking about some of the games, the mobile games and other stuff like that, but the big game that they were talking about was Sonic Colors Ultimate. And the reason why I'm talking about this is because they showcased the game that's coming up to platforms, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, PS5, which you have, Xbox One, Series X, which you have, you and the bots only have this. But did you get a chance to check out Sonic the Hedgehog in 2021 in Sonic Colors Ultimate? And the next question is, do you really care? It was weird to me to see this Sonic anniversary presentation and have like their big release be centered around this. You know, there are other, I guess, more loved Sonic games out there than this. Well, okay, while we're on this topic, let me ask you this. Why do you think that Mario did a better job of jumping into the 3D realms than Sonic did? Why was Mario better received than Sonic? Well, I just think it's the support that it was given. Not only by the fan base that's out there that loves Nintendo, but the fact is is that Nintendo was willing to put in more research and development and obviously design than anything that Sonic does. And, you know, Mario, we see him branch out from all those different types, Mario Golf, Mario Party, all those different Mario things that have been thrown out there over the years. And Sonic has tried to do that to some extent as well. But I think this leads all the way back since the 90s between mario and sonic the reason why there's been such a huge chasm of success between these two nintendo evolved nintendo was still able to put out systems with mario as its showcase character as its showcase games whereas sega they died with the genesis and what came after that they were forced to become just a studio that had to rely on other platforms to succeed and it is so much better when you have that native technology and Nintendo obviously having that advantage, having to showcase Mario in any way, shape, or form that they wanted. I just think that you always had that showcase platform. And for me, I think that's the biggest reason why that Nintendo and Mario has succeeded far above anything that Sega and Sonic has done. Sega was kind of on its way out 
you know, around the time the Dreamcast was coming out. Like the Dreamcast surprises me that it was as successful as it was. And then the Saturn came out and it, it tanked. The Saturn tanked. Yeah, but Saturn was a big deal. And then, you know, Sony making that announcement like, hey, you can get this today for a hundred dollars cheaper than the Saturn, you know, when that happened, Sega kind of lost its credibility because people went over to the PlayStation and said, you know, there's a lot of like history there with Sega, you know, dumping PlayStation and all that. But I think about it this way, like Mario is a character that exists that goes to different worlds where a Sonic just kind of like runs, you know? So it's like from a storytelling perspective, Sonic is not that interesting of a character or is at least not as interesting as Mario is. It has only really succeeded in mobile games. I mean, they have come out, Sega has, with tons of Sonic console games over the past 20 years. And none have really stayed with an audience. And again, the only thing that's worked for them was mobile games. But I'm going to hit you up with this before we head on out. And that is, is Sonic still relevant in 2021? I think that Sonic can be, you know, like you said, Sonic is kind of like the most under-researched character in video games because people just assume that they understand what audiences and what gamers want from a Sonic the Hedgehog game. And people at Sega don't make Sonic games for Sonic fans. Like they make them for like, oh, hey, how is Mario succeeding? How is Spyro succeeding? How is Crash succeeding? Like they make games based on what is successful as opposed to, making a game based on what the player base actually wants. Well, with Sonic, though, the thing is, again, they have released a ton of games since the death of the Saturn. And they're all and, different. Yeah, all different, but really, for the most part, outside of the one, like you said, that has garnered some success, has really been much, pretty much a failure. And mm -hmm. they've succeeded on a level with the mobile industry. They've done very well there and trying to go ahead and have that same kind of success on the consoles has been very challenging for them. The thing is, they've never been able to recapture that interest people had 30 years ago, my friend. And ever since then, it's been hanging on in some form or another. And I'm not sure if they'll ever get it back. Yeah, and that's it's unfortunate because they've like they've done fans the dirty for so long. Like I think that Sonic does have a redemption quality to them, especially with the movie. So I think that the next Sonic game they put out needs to be like the Sonic game that changes everything or else Sonic is just going to be a property that kind of dies. Time has caught up, I think, with Sonic the Hedgehog. And I'm not sure if they're ever going to see that kind of success again until they reinvent themselves into something so much better. What are your thoughts out there on Sonic the Hedgehog? Are you still interested in playing a Sonic the Hedgehog game in 2021, we want to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, thank you so much, as always, for being a part of today's show. Any last thoughts on the way out? So I have been playing Biomutants. Really? Yes. And I have some thoughts on it. I'm into it. The mechanics of the game almost feel bloated. You know, it's fun, but it's not like what I was expecting it to be, if that makes sense. Like, it feels very antiquated. Like, if this game came out on the Xbox 360, like, I could totally see it, like, just being something that everybody wants to play. But there's so many different genres blended into this game. So, like, if they were more focused on, like, whether you want to be an RPG or a third-person shooter, 
I think they would have a lot more success. But that being said, I am enjoying my time in this game and it has a Zelda-like quality to it where you kind of have the freedom to go where you want, when you want, and play the game your own style. I don't know, it feels like something I would have loved on the 360, but not something that I would love on the Series X, if that makes sense. But again, like I am enjoying my time, just not as much as I thought I would. And we will be getting a full review from you for popculturecosmos.com, right? Yes, yeah. Sounds good, my friend. Looking forward to hearing more thoughts and reading more thoughts on Biomutant. And make sure you stay in tune with us each and every day on our social media, Facebook, Twitch. Also, we have great tabletop role-playing games there going and happening all the time. You can also check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and of course, you'll get the latest news and updates on the world of pop culture every day on Facebook at Pop Culture Cosmos. So for Josh Peterson... This is Gerald Glassford. This is another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great Hello everyone, Dr. Geek here with a shout out to all the scientists who worked tirelessly to bring a COVID-19 vaccine into reality. <laughs> Let's face it, creating something of this magnitude is a miracle worthy of Dr. McCoy himself. And now, Dr. Geek needs you to do your part. Remember, each shot is one small step back to normal, one giant leap to putting the pandemic behind us. We can do this. For more information, visit vaccines.gov to find your nearest provider. More positive than a New Day pancake. More fun than a super kick party. It's the wrestling podcast from the host, who is the hammer swinging, burrito eating, well you know the rest, of Thunder Talk. Sexy Thor! It's the Ring of Thunder, found in the Thunderverse and among the great podcasts of the ESO Network. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the T Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.